Vision Sunday. I love vision. Yes, it inspires, it motivates. That's what keeps us going. It gives clarity. Without vision, you're like, where am I headed? Where is next step? Why do I do what I do? Vision tells us why we do what we do. And vision is that God thing deep inside of us, that godly dream, that destiny, that sense of calling, sense of identity. And now maybe you think, oh, I don't feel like that. That's okay. We're all on a journey in this, I think. But I think the more and more God reveals to us who we really are and what he's really called us to do, it becomes clear to us where we are headed. But then something beautiful happens when we get plucked into church. We get plucked into a vision. And it's like the vision I carried on my own suddenly gets plucked into a bigger vision where I can grow and where the big vision can fully flourish and grow. That's what church is like. Some people thought, oh, church, that's where I have to put away my vision and then just serve the leadership. I believe in a godly vision. Your vision, when it's plucked into church, that's when it gets really exciting. That's when we see you grow and flourish. And so often when I think of open church, I actually don't have much vision because it's going to come from you. <laughs> no, I know we're going to impact a nation and, a, and, sorry, and the next generation, but I know it's going to come from the next generation. We're just here to push you, to cheer you, to say, come on, guys, Moses, Alex, Sam, where are you? Get into those schools. We are behind you. We believe in you because vision comes from in here. Let me read some familiar scriptures as we begin. Isaiah 55, I'm reading verse 9 to 11. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain come, sorry, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. Father God, I want to invite you this morning. I just want to honor you and worship you. Thank you that you are head of the church. And as we build vision and DNA, we build on your word, on your foundation. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning, will you come afresh and breathe on us? Breathe your dreams, your desires into us, that we will run the race with passion, with excitement. And Father, where we've grown weary and tired, I just pray that you will strengthen us this morning that new energy will be released, that a new Holy Spirit excitement will be released. I ask, Father, in your name. Um, God's thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. Some have tried to calculate. It's billions of light years that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And yet... So we think, oh, how am I ever going to reach? He has given us the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ captures God's thoughts. And he, makes the, he takes the dreams that are on the Father's heart and makes it our dream. That's how it works. And that's the difference between a God dream and my own dream. My own dream can be like, mm, I would wish to A, B, C, and D. The God dreams is reaching higher and higher and higher for what God has set out for me. And I'm going to capture them, and I'm going to take them to heart. And then it comes with a promise. That's the difference. The God dreams, they come with a promise that they will water the earth, that his word will do what is set out to accomplish. 
I need to remind myself of that sometimes. Hey, God, if this is from you, then your word, your promise stand, no matter how I feel about it. One of the first words that was spoken over open church, um, before we even knew it was open church, before it was just a little tiny thought in our hearts, um, it was a picture of the continent of Africa decorated with water lilies that would flow into the Indian Ocean. And the words over the picture was, you're to decorate the face of Africa. You know what I love about that? Water lilies, they require rain. They require a lot of rain. And I love when a vision requires lots of rain. And we had only been here a few Sundays, and we're still preaching to the empty chairs, but they're going to be full. But in those days, there were even more empty chairs, and I'm like, oh, God, where is this taking us? And Holy Spirit is whispering to me, saying, I'm going to fill this place several times on a Sunday. You know what? God dreams makes us pray harder. (laughs) Big dreams make us pray harder. So if we don't dream big, we don't really need God. But the bigger we dream with him, the higher we catch for his thoughts, the more dependent we become on him, and the more we need to say, God, without you, I'm never going to accomplish what you set out for me. I don't want to go to heaven and just accomplish what I could. I want to accomplish what he said I could do with him, through him. Are you with me in that? Mm, Amen. And that's the theme of, we're going to have a movie month, which is exciting. I'm going to share more about that next week as we talk about how to be a church that invites people. But I want to highlight also the month of October and November. We have OC 40 days. Some of you remember them from last year, but it's 40 days set apart as a church. I would say it's the highlight of the year where we give 40 days to God, to our church family, in devotions, in connect groups, in our services. And this year, we're going to dream big. Pray hard and think long. That is to strategize, to think ahead of us. And I am so excited about that. I think really God is going to give us new mountains to pray into. And I'm saying it today because I want you to know we want to pray for mountains. We can also pray for sick. When we get sick in our bodies and we don't know if we're going to pass our tests. But come on, let's also reach for the big mountains and pray together and really believe God is going to move. So what are your mountains? What are you really dreaming for? Because if there's no dreams, there's nothing to pray into. So today I just want to stretch your heart to start thinking, I'm gonna, I need to dream again. Because somehow this nation, sometimes we forget to dream. Let's stretch ourselves because it helps us pray harder. Bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. You know, when we step out there where it's like, only you, God, he honors that. He loves that part. <clears throat> but there's also something called everyday reality and daily life. And let me see. Just a second. Today, I actually want to talk about the gap. This is you and me. This is where we are. And there are up here is the dreams and the promises of God. These are the these are the moments where He speaks destiny, where we know there's something greater for me. It's the God moments. I love God moments. You know what? In one moment, just God showing love in one moment can melt away rejection for years. You know, it takes one touch to bring healing. It takes one picture to speak destiny. These are the moments, and I cheer them on. I love them. I love what God does in the moment. And when I think of my life, 
there are moments where he took me higher and further and where he did things. So I cherish the moments. I love them. Times for me, especially in worship, where faith is stirred and we believe I can conquer the world. Do you know that feeling? When the roof takes up and I'm just excited about God. I want to go further and higher and I want to change this nation and change the world and I can conquer everything. You know that reality? It is real and it is good. But it's not those moments that are most of. There's another reality that hits on Monday morning, isn't it? The everyday reality. Everyday reality. I thought in my God moment that God had brought healing. And now I wake up Monday morning and I feel the pain again. The message that I preached myself and I thought was so strong in me on Monday morning, I don't even believe it myself anymore. Or God was releasing provision and I could feel it coming and it's in the air. And I don't have breakfast on Monday morning. And the landlord knocks on the door and what am I to do? And God, where are you? Do you get me? There's a gap and there will always be a gap between what God has promised us, where he's taking us and where we are at the moment. And the question is, what do we do in the gap? One of the things that can develop in the gap is doubt. We start questioning Did I really hear from him? Was it really real? Is Holy Spirit as real as I thought he was? And the doubt starts to become questions about faith and about God. Then it turns into questions about my church. They're not doing it well enough. They don't love me well enough. It starts questioning my connect group, the relationships, and I withdraw. And if we continue on that journey, bitterness set in and isolation sets in. It's a dangerous journey to walk out. Another one could be disappointment. God, you said you wanted to. And why am I here? Do you know that feeling? I mean, we're humans. They happen to all of us. I hold on to a promise about healing. I don't know how many times God has spoken healing over my life. And I've had seasons where I thought, it's there. We're getting there. I believe it. Boom. Back again. Boom. Back again. But he still spoke in it. But the gap is there. The gap is real. There's a promise about healing. But there's also a reality that is not fully there yet. Or we could put in fear. And I think especially of failure. God, I set out on this journey. I thought it was to go to college. You, you said to me I was going to college. And where are the school fees? God, I don't see it. Or, God, I said no to a well-paid job because I believed in the vision of your church. And I've sacrificed to be in this church. And now it's not. Am I going to succeed? We're going to... Uh, beautiful mission family here with visitors today. You know, you set out, you sell everything, and you go to a foreign nation, a foreign continent. The fear of failure, because God, this is what you called us to. This is what we see, and yet it's not our current reality. The fear of failure can sneak in, and that's another dangerous one, because then we start to be shaky and walk away from what he's actually called us to do. There are different solutions here. If this is what fills our gap, and they are, we are humans, we are people. So they all come to us once in a while. It's not like, oh, I don't want to have any of those. I can, I can at least take all of them, so you can join me in that. But the question is, what do we do here? We could lower the bar. Oh, 
He said, your ways are higher, your thoughts are higher than the heavens. But maybe if I just reduce the dreams a little bit, so they come in eyesight. Because here I can cope with it. God, I can manage the dream of doing grade 12. I know you've, you spoke in college dreams and so, but grade 12, that's where I'm headed. We shrink the dream. We make God smaller so that we can cope with the current reality. So we don't live in this stretch where we're really stressed and in a low moment sometimes. Can I suggest another solution? Could I suggest that in the gap, we place faithfulness, perseverance, doing the right thing. Do not become weary of doing good things, the Bible says. And I think there's something about it. Just continuing doing the good things. But for the sake of remembrance, I'm going to put three other words because you remember these. What if we put commitment? What if we put consistency? What if we put courage? Those three words were part of our all-in series that we did in January. But that was not a series. That was something we believe God is speaking over us and calling us to. There's something about these three words that makes a, a different gap. Because when you choose commitment, it speaks louder than the doubt. It actually quiets the doubt. It doesn't say you're not legal because there is still a gap, but it's saying I'm committed. So no matter what happens, this is where I'm committed to the promises of God, to dreams, the calling God has put on my life, and I'm going to stay in there. You cannot doubt and questions. You cannot let me off the race that has set for me. You've got courage. Courage speaks louder than fear. And it takes courage to stay in. Consistency. Consistency is a thing that makes us go, or makes us, what can I say, continue the race despite the disappointments. Because there are disappointments. There will be disappointments. There will be failure. Why else should we have a God who raises us up again? If we do? That's because we fought. It's part of him. And it's part of our nature. And consistency is what brings us through and lets us run the race. Church, it's my desire this morning. Could we be a church together who don't allow each one of us and us as a church to shrink the dreams God has for us, but that we become a church who say, no, we're going to stick to the word of God, the promises of God, the calling of God. I'm going to try that one again because I really did not hear the amen I was waiting for here, okay? Church, <laughs> good morning, everyone. I am saying either you can choose to shrink the dream, you can let doubt, disappointment, and fear dictate your life, and you're not going to make the race. You're going to make an everyday reality. But we as a church, we're going to stick to commitment, consistency, and fear, and believe God's words, God's promises, and God's calling over our life. Thank you. So I want to take you through a story of three kings. We find them in 2 Kings chapter 3. And it is the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. And they set out against the king of Moab. And they decide, or I think God, it's hard to tell in the text, but they decide to go through the desert of Edom. 
Um, and after marching for seven days with the armies and everything with them, they are right in the middle of the desert and they run out of water. And what do they say then? I'm in chapter 3, verse 10 now. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? What? I'm thinking, what? You went into the desert without water? But anyway, they said, God, why did that happen? That's the low moment I'm talking about. This is where reality hits in. We're in the middle of the desert and there is no water. Low moment, disappointment, fear, doubt. What's going to happen to us now? But I like that they said, the Lord, has the Lord called us three kings together? And I can't see in the text that the Lord called them together, but I want to believe their words. Okay, so they had set out because the Lord has called, had called them together. And then they end in the midst of the desert. And they're saying something, I feel like I've heard it before. You know, the disciples, they ended up in the storm because they chose to follow Jesus. These kings ended in the desert because they chose to follow Jesus. What about the Israelites? How many times did they say, God, we're here in the desert. We would like to go back to Egypt because our everyday reality does not fit the promise you have given us. They complained again and again about that one. And that's the same with the king and with us sometimes. We can actually be in the desert because God called us to it. Hmm? <laughs> it would be lovely if we were riding just from swimming pool to swimming pool, but that's not reality. Thirst kicks in. Thirst is not pleasant. But again, what do we fill in the gap? What do we put in the gap of thirst? Following God takes us through all sorts of terrain. That's the gap. That's the moment. But it doesn't mean that God has left us. Sometimes I think we panic. We think, I'm in the desert and where is God? No, God called you here. He's with you. He's still right here. His promises, his word, they are still standing. You might not see it. But that's reality. Maybe that's you today. What? Why am I here? Why have you put me here in the middle of the desert? I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're there. Because God has called you. Maybe you're there and he's with you. He's saying, yes, good job, just continue. <laughs> Consistency, commitment, courage. Then Jehoshaphat, at least he comes up with a plan. I'm in verse 11 now. Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, Son of Shaphat is here. Why was Elijah there? Three kings, none of them knew he was there. So he can't have been on public duty. Because then they would have known, we're traveling with the prophet. They didn't. And this is just my side note. Could it be that God sent him because he knew his ministry was needed? And could it be sometimes God is sending people on our way before we even know that we need them, because he knows that we need them. Because part of the, the gap is also people, that God sends people on the way. And I think sometimes we don't even recognize 
Hey, that was the blessing that came to me. That was the encouragement that came to me. God spoke through that person. God knew that I needed someone next to me. I believe that we're going to walk and journey together. So I'm not surprised that they found Elisha because I think he was the man they needed at this point. So they find Elisha and he says in verse 15, He's not pleased with the kings anyway. He's like, but I'm going to honor you because you're kings. So let me do my job. So I think Elijah, he also knows we are we thirsty. We're in the desert. We're in the low moment. What do we do? He knows. Now bring me a harpist. Worship. Worship. I like, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. I love that the great prophet, he needed a worshiper to get him started. <laughs> So it's okay that I need a worshiper to get me started as well, because worship changes atmosphere. Worship brings us back into the God reality. I think worship takes us from the thirst and the hunger and the low moment back to the one who called us in this place. So he calls on a worshiper. And can you feel the atmosphere? I should have asked a keyboard player to come here. Just imagine it, you know, hmm, suddenly we're in the middle of the desert, but worship fills the atmosphere. Faith is stirred. The kings are excited. God, about, God is about to move. And actually, some says that this was very close to where Moses hit the rock and God provided water. So you can imagine, I'm thinking, maybe they thought, he's going to hit it again, and it's going to flow. It's going to be exciting. Where's the stick? Where's the rock? Let's get going. And faith is stirred, and there's a God moment, and we're going to take down Moab, and it's going to be great. And they've built, and the prophet is here. The worshiper is here. God is here. What more is there for us to do? Hmm. For those who have read the story, Elijah, in this great moment, this great atmosphere of God and what he's about to accomplish. Then Elijah says, dig ditches all over the valley. God, God, listen to me. I'm thirsty and I'm in the middle of the desert and I'm in the God moment where you just need to hit the rock and then water comes. A shovel? Really, God? Have you been there? Have you tried it? <laughs> God, I'm just expecting you to do a miracle here. And now you ask me to co-labor with you. What is that about? The almighty great God who can do everything himself. Why on earth should I go into this? Dig ditches all over the valley. Oh... You know what? Life takes digging. And more digging. And more digging. And our dreams and our vision and our destiny, it takes digging. And digging is called commitment, consistency, and courage. And you know, I, I, I was wondering, hmm, in, on one side, I feel in this nation, we don't dare to dream. We don't dare to really lift the bar of what God is able. On the other hand, we decree and declare, we decree and declare, and the nation will be saved every day. And I'm like, oh, that, that tires me as well. And I was like, what is wrong with that? This one. We can decree and declare for as long as we want. 
If we don't take our shovel and start digging, I'm doubting whether we are preparing the ground for a move of God. I'm challenging you this morning. I want to be part of a church who is digging. I want to be part of a people group who are not afraid of getting dirty, getting into it, because that's what it takes to fill in the real gap. I was, Chris reminded me of Heidi Baker, whom you probably know from Mozambique. One of the things she's known for is, is the healing of the deaf and the blind. And when she first had that word from God, you're going to heal, see blind eyes open and deaf ear open. I'm sure she was in the high moment. I would be. God, that's exciting. I am so ready. Let me find the first one in the market. The Lord heals you in the name of Jesus. And nothing happened. Everyday reality hit in there. Second time. Okay, it's just a warm-up, God. I'm there now. How many times would you continue? I don't know. I think the tenth time, at least I would be, hey, so I'm trying this out, and it's not really working for me, but could I try again anyway? You know how many times she needed to try before it worked? Two hundred. Wow. That's a lot of disappointment. That's a lot of doubt. That's a lot of fear to overcome. She continued because she was digging. And you know what? When the first one got healed, everyone got healed. (laughs) It has just been flowing ever since. And I was like, whoa, it stretches me because I had stopped after 10. Honestly speaking, maybe eight. What if she had stopped What if the Israelites had stopped around Jericho after six times? Or what if Elijah had been looking for the cloud six times and stopped? Or what if the Israelites had said after 39 years, no, no more, we're going back to Egypt? We never know if we're in the last round. We never know if the next one is the breakthrough. But I'm not going to stand before God and say I gave up at 199 Can you imagine that? Oh, sorry, my friend. Had you just done one more? No, that's not going to happen to me. I want to be a digger. Do you want to be a digger? Who says, okay, I'm going to hang in there no matter how long time it takes. Amen. I learned digging at a young age. And I'm saying this because we have a lot of young people in church as well. So one of, I think maybe my first testimony of learning to dig was grade eight. So I grew up in a very small community. I went to a public school with about 500 pupils. I was the only Christian on that school. That to you sounds weird. That's reality in Denmark. Um, There was a few who had it in their hearts but never publicly declared it, so I was the weirdo. Um, On a small farm, I was part of a small church. At some point I got the title youth coordinator because we needed one and I was the only one. So, um, the next one was 40, average age was 55, 60. There was no, this is our time. It it was old days. We were back in this one. Have you ever been in a church where they dance like this? I grew up in such a church. Okay. It was hard work. It was hard work. And I went to that school, and it was not like I was being bullied. It was just, I was alone. Young people want to be with young people. And there's no Christians in my school. There's no Christians in my church that are my age. And why am I here? So the holiday between grade eight and nine, grade seven and eight, 
um, my parents offered me, say, you can go to a Christian private school in another town, and that could give you new friends, and it would actually boost you, and there were all good reasons for this. And God just said no. I just knew the entire time God is saying no. He did not give me a vision. He did not give me a dream. He just said no. I think he gave me this one, and I was aware of it. I need to dig. I'm not done in that place. Grade 8 came. We got a Christian RE teacher. I've never heard about that before in my country. But suddenly, the conversations in our classroom were God-honoring. She gave me a full lesson to tell about my church. No one had ever heard about a Pentecostal church before. I got the floor to just openly declare who we were, what we believed. Um, At some point in that year, there was... Uh, a kind of Jesus crusade, Jesus revolution. It was a concert, again in another town, but evangelistic over three nights or so. And I just knew I needed to invite my classmates. And I started to invite a few, and they started to talk about it. And I was scared because we don't talk about Jesus in this school. And now they go, are you going to Jesus revolution? Are you going to? I'm like, I'm not sure about this. But over those three nights or so, I had five to seven friends coming with me seeing a new Jesus. One of them gave their life to Jesus. Amen? It doesn't sound big here. It was big for me. I was given the position as a, uh, to chair the students' council. That doesn't happen to a grade 8. That only happens if you're grade 9 and 10. But I was suddenly given influence. And we started the foundation of what would become the campaign for a bully-free school. You know what? I was digging. It was hard. I won't tell you. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. But I was so amazed about the favor of God of a young girl who didn't know what she was doing. All she knew was to hang in there and to dig deeper. So grade 8 in here, grade 9, grade 10, digging starts. We start early here. And we are in there because God has put us in those places, in those schools that are hard and dry and in the middle of the desert. But there God has called us to dig and to be a light. And he will come through for us. And we will see things happening in our schools. I believe that. <clears throat> Not only did he give them the shovel, Elisha. He also spoke a word. If I can have music, please. Second King chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is what they asked for. And I love this phrase. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Why did he have to say that? (laughs) But I love it. I just want to know, your request was fairly small. You thought you were dreaming big. Your request was fairly small for the Lord, so he will also deliver more into your hands. Isn't that a God thing? <laughs> I will take your request. And it was too easy for me. So I'm also going to bring you the victory you didn't ask for. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was. Water flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. Amen. Hey, God has lots of rain. God has lots of water. And some of you need to hear that today. It is full of it. 
He is real. All his promises are real. His dreams, his vision, his calling over you as a person, over us as a church, and God has plenty of rain. And I believe he's going to send it. I believe we're in a season where he's stretching us to believe more than ever before that he's about to send rain and that water is going to flood over this place. Do you believe it? That is the God we serve. But in the meantime, this is what we do. Because we want to be a church who lift our hands in worship and declare who he is, that he's God of the promise, that he's about to deliver, that more is happening. But we're also going to be a church who stand and say, but we're going to hang in there. We are going to dig, dig those ditches. Whatever it takes, we're going to dig ditches. And they will be known, we'll be known as a church who are expecting rain and digging more ditches. And as he starts to send rain, we're just digging in new places. It never stops. It's the same. He sends more and we dig more. Are you with me in that one? Yeah. We're here to inspire people. I like that. We're not here to hit them in their face. We're here to inspire them by who we are, by our courage, our commitment, our consistency. See, the thing is, we inspire others by dreaming big and actually going for it. Not just decreeing and declaring, but, but hey, there's a young man who really has faith in his heart and he's going for God. That's an inspiration for everyone. Who are you inspiring? Who are the people you're going to touch and bring into an encounter? Who are the people you're walking with in discipleship? I know there's so much more.